It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me again for the second time, Nancy Narden. And Nancy's a sought-after speaker and the proprietor of Smart Selling Tools, which is your all-encompassing resource for new sales technologies that help you achieve your goals. And Nancy, welcome back to Accelerate. Thanks, Andy. It's always good to talk with you. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, um, I know you've been on the show before, but in case people hadn't heard you the first time, take a minute, introduce yourself. Sure. So I founded Smart Selling Tools about eight or nine years ago, and I've been in sales my entire career. So I I know the sales world well. I've always carried a bag myself, so I know what salespeople face. Um, and interesting enough, I started out in my career by selling for Grid Systems, the very first laptop computer. And once we got laptops, we had to figure out who would need them. And an obvious market was sales. Sales, but, yes. Insurance yep. sales. Everyone to sell them to insurance salespeople. Well, yeah, but um, you know, at the time, of course, we, you know, the laptops were twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. So we had to sell them to companies that had um, maybe more engineering type, you know, complex products. Mm-hmm. And high-end prices. So at the time, it, it wasn't so much insurance-based kind of sales as it was others. But in any case, it, it really, I think, was the birth of C, uh, CRM and SFA and even PowerPoint because there was no concept of having anything other than actual slides. <laughs> <laughs> Transparencies, we used to call them. And Right, right. And, and the overhead projector. Overhead right? projectors, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's kind of my background, and then I started the company about, like I said, eight years ago to just help others and to keep track of what tools were out there and to help others figure it out. Very interesting. So recently you've been uh, doing some really interesting work about identifying uh, sort of what you call it, a hierarchy of needs. I mean, sort of building on Maslow's hierarchy of needs for people familiar back in their days taking sociology or, or whatever is a the sociologist Maslow had defined that there's sort of five levels of fundamental needs that uh, if you met for people that uh, that they had, which was their physiological, which is you know, breathing, food, air, safety, you know, security, love, having friends, family, mm-hmm. esteem, and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. You've taken that sort of translated that into a sales hierarchy of needs or a hierarchy of sales needs. Yes, I have, and I'm I'm always trying to figure out how to make sense of it all because there's so many different ways to explain each individual sales technology. And for instance, if I ask if you do XYZ, almost every sales tool company will say, yes, they do that because they interpret it a different way, which makes it very difficult for buyers. And so I I started to think about, well, how can I create some models to help practitioners figure out well, where do we even start? I don't want to just, for instance, respond to people who are reaching out to me. I want to look at this more strategically and figure out where do we go next? 
So that led me to think about, well, there should be some sort of sales stack maturity model. But before we can get there, we need to understand what do you really need in order to increase revenue? And that's what tools really should be all about is how do you improve revenue performance? So that's why I came up with the hierarchy of revenue needs, as I call it. And that self-actualization, as you had mentioned, was at the top of Maslow's. Well, at the top of mine, it would be at the end, what do you want? You know, you want to be able to repeat the sale and, and then sell more to each particular buyer. Which, but you, which is a form of being self-actualized. Self-actualized, I mean, right. If, if you're yeah. one with the buyer, if you have the creativity to be able to help them understand That's, their needs best, then they'll buy from you again. That's right. And just like with Maslow's where, you know, you you aren't going to start at self-actualization. You know, you may still be worried about putting food on your table. So that means you are at a lower level in the hierarchy. Right. So I've created this hierarchy and at the very base of it is the base foundational need for revenue, which is prospect or prospecting. Who's the prospect? Do, well, as, you, as you identify, you need somebody to sell something to. You've got to sell something to. Exactly. You usually need, need that person. Who is it? that person? Who is it? <laughs> how do I reach them? Um, how, how can I build a prospect list? How can I identify how I might be connected with them through my network? So there's all kinds of different elements that go into it. And, and I do outline those as well. But just for the just to describe kind of the basic model, it goes from, you know, you need someone to sell to. That's right. prospecting. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through these step by step. So what okay. we see is we got this pyramid. I want people to have the image in their head. There's a pyramid at the base. And you think about this, a very logical way to approach sales. And as of ultimately, as you get to, is how do you choose the right tool for the purpose? Yep. Is, yeah, to start with at the base is we all have to have somebody to sell to. So being able to identify opportunities is the most basic sales need that exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, other than having a product. But we're going to presume that there's a product there. So Right. <laughs> that would be the that would be the one right before it for be, sure. Right, but that's that's, you know, that gets into the marketing hierarchy. So, uh, so the second layer then, building on the base is oh, you need a way to engage with the prospect. Yep. You need a way to engage and that could mean all kinds of things like First of all, do you have their email? And uh, do you, you can get more sophisticated and go into, do you know how to build buyer consensus? Um, it could be, do you know what to say to a particular prospect when you cold call them so that you can be relevant? So those are examples of how to get the prospect to engage. But it could also be things like, well, when do you engage? And that could be trigger event selling. So you want to spend your time on prospects that are ready to buy or have experienced some trigger event that makes them more interested at this particular time. So all of those things fall under that category. Right. And then on top of that, then, is you need, as you said, you need this compelling value proposition, unique sales proposition, whatever people want to call that, the mm -hmm. one that, that resonates with the prospect. Yeah. And maybe a good word would be, you know, differentiation, how you need a way to differentiate. And that could be 
something as simple, not simple, none of this is simple, but it could be, do you have guided selling? Do you have a way to let the prospect kind of experiment and learn on their own about your solutions and start to make sense of it? Do you have a way to align your solutions with their challenges? Are you looking at it from that from that perspective in terms of your sales process? Um, do you have a way to uh, communicate and to identify who all the different buyers are on the team and what their particular challenges are or motivations? Because everyone comes to the table with different motivations. Can mm-hmm. you map map that political landscape somehow? That's all, what all of that is about. Okay. And then you talk about obviously you need to build consensus among the multiple decision makers that exist within the modern business-to-business buying process. Yep. Yep. And even quantify value. So do you have a way to, you know, an ROI model or an ROI tool or a way to visualize and communicate how the buyer is going to get value from your solutions? Okay. And then obviously talking about, you know, decision to purchase comes after you got the consensus and, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, how do you close the deal? And and that could be we've got we have a lot of tools at the top of the funnel, and then we have a lot of tools that help us manage our forecast and um, our opportunity, you know, pipeline. But we don't have a lot in between that actually helps us either move the deal forward or close the deal. So something like a solution that would help you collaborate across your team members on a specific account. Okay, who's going to do what and when? Who's got what responsibility? So that's one kind of an example. Mm -hmm. Do you have a way to easily configure quotes and proposals and a way to track your contracts and get them signed electronically? So there's a lot that has to happen at the close. And by the way, so, you know, our, our friends over at CSO Insight, mm-hmm. they they did a study and, God darn it, I wish I could remember what the percentage was. It was a high percent of people that actually uh, lost deals after the verbal. So this whole part of how do you close the deal is very important because you don't want to go through that whole sales cycle, get a verbal, and then not close the deal. And but, what were the reasons they didn't close? Uh, well, you know, a lot can happen after that. So for instance, there could be a reorg or somebody says, Hey, wait a minute, let's slow down because I know I've got a you know friend who's got this solution and I, or I talked to somebody who's using that and, you know, all kinds of things can happen. Budgets get cut all of a sudden. So the point is that when you are at the point where you want to, where you can close the deal, you want to make sure that that happens as quickly as possible. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm thinking about that because for several of the examples you gave, even if you signed the contract and a customer did a reorg or something like that, I mean, <laughs> those contracts have a way of going away as well. I mean, if the customer's sufficiently motivated not to proceed, they won't. Yeah, but it's, um, I don't know, I guess it's like if you have iron gates in your front door, you know, your neighbor's the one that's probably go to rob instead of you. I mean, so if, for instance, budgets get cut and you've got the signed contract, they'll probably go to someone who they haven't quite signed a contract yet. So, I mean, that's where they're going to start. Okay. All right. Um, so then 
you know, finishing the stack is, you know, your hierarchy of, of sale revenue needs, which really are going to begin to mirror what your stack will look like is your sales stack is receipt of payment. Uh-huh. Not a huge one, but it's, it's obviously important is ability to retain the customer. So when you start moving into the customer success realm, then yes, in terms of revenue generation. Yeah. Because once you get a deal, that means you've got a client and once you have a client, it's, supposed to be a lot easier to continue to sell to them, right? And then you're not having to meet them all over again, explain who you are, build the relationship. You have that now. So that's kind of self-actualization. How do you continue to work that relationship, sell more, get them to buy again? And, um, you know, that's basically requires things like being able to map the white space. So in a particular account, which of our solutions do they have uh, of those that they need from us? Which do they already buy and which do they not yet buy? Uh, which do they buy from competitors? And therefore, we have an opportunity to perhaps, uh, you know, be, you know, displace them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of that. And then there's things like uh, pol- you know, um, nurturing, the ability to nurture the relationship, customer satisfaction, all those types of things. So what sort of tools are you seeing coming on stream for the customer success side of things? Well, you could look at someone like a a Revigy or Membrane or an Altify, which used to be the TAS group. They all have solutions that help you really work an account and visualize who's who the different players are, and like I said, the white spacing. So there's are there are tools that are specific for that. On the nurturing side, it might be more of engagement communication solutions like um, LiveHive or a Yesware or someone like that. And uh, what about tools like uh, Tatango or customer success? Yeah, or client yeah, success, definitely. excuse me. Yeah, sure, sure. It gets into that realm as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think of, I should probably, but I, you know, I haven't really thought of that as a sales tool because it's not typically used by a salesperson, but it's definitely fits in to the pyramid in this particular section. Yeah, from a revenue section. Pres- mm-hmm. you know, because I think that, uh, mm-hmm. oh, I think I heard somewhere, I was trying to remember the source, but there was, some study that came out that you know, among SaaS companies that fairly quickly in their their lifespan, you know, let's say maybe year two or three, that they're actually driving more of the revenue from existing customers than from new customers. Yep, and customer success. We didn't used to have you know a customer success manager. We had sales and we had uh, client support, but now we have customer success managers and departments, and that's definitely part of the SaaS model because it's really easy to just turn the switch off and all of a sudden now your monthly recurring revenue goes away. So that's very much part of SaaS. It raises an interesting question when you think about it is that, that, you know, I see and have seen, saw an example this last week with a a client that they're moving uh, sales development into marketing so marketing, I see there's more examples of this. So marketing has responsibility for the sales development function, sales development reps. Mm-hmm. And customer success is moved out of sales and usually reports to ops or VP of customer satisfaction or something. So who's left in, who's left in sales? Mm-hmm. So you really have your account execs, right? Sort of yeah, your account execs. Yep. How that's moving around. 
and and you know what? It's really interesting that that point because you know we call them account, account execs, and I think I mean really what they're doing this is not the origin of the word; it's executive. But what it what they're doing is they're executing on the sales process. And that's what I was getting to earlier, where there aren't as many tools to help with that aspect of it. There's a lot of tools for prospecting and maybe even pricing and configuration and forecasting. But how do we actually help reps in the middle who are trying to execute on the sales process? And that means, you know, keep track of all of their activities and not let balls drop and align all of the different buyers and the buying decision committee and all of that. There's a whole lot that has to happen there. Well, I guess it raises a question is, is since there aren't tools, as you talk about a plethora of tools in that space, is there really a need? I mean, oh, yeah, there, yeah, there's definitely a need because all we have right now is CRM. And CRM is not a productivity tool. It doesn't actually help you execute. It helps you keep, maybe keep track of things manually. So you are now free to put in all kinds of activities that you need to do. And guess what happens? Now you've got all of these overwhelming things that you've got to keep track of and no real easy way to be reminded of what should be done when and what's of a high priority. And uh, it's there's, there's just nothing, well, there hasn't been much there in the past, but there's definitely a need for that. That's the majority of the per, of the sales cycle. Well, yeah, but I, I'm just, uh, uh, yes. So I'm just trying to think those. That's also where the person-to-person aspect of selling is really most acute, right? So, yeah, where's where's what's the role? And I'm just thinking out loud. Is you know what's what's the role that automation really plays in that? Because really, the role at that point is that's this is the meat of the sales process right so mm-hmm. yeah i mean they can get people to get organized make sure they don't drop the ball and so on but really it's about for me it's it's what are the ways that you can help the account exec differentiate themselves deliver something of value to the prospect that helps them move further along in their buying process mm-hmm. well so there are tools like I, I mean i get i definitely get what you're saying there are tools like uh, well, I mean, let's think about what do you need when you're executing on the sales process. So let's say you've got an opportunity and now you need to push all of the opportunities through the pipeline. Well, you're going to need a way to stay in front of those people because they're not all going to be ready to buy right now. So you're going to want to have some good information. You're going to want to stay ahead of uh the market in terms of, oh, they just made this announcement, so now I've got an excuse to get in front of them. The worst thing you can do is just say, hey, I'm calling to check in. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. those kinds of things are very helpful. Also, just knowing, well, which opportunities do I not have all the boxes checked for? So for instance, do I know who all the players are in all of those opportunities? Mm-hmm. Account mapping you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Account mapping. Um, have I identified what each of the you know buying motivations are for or, or and the sentiments of each of the buying mm-hmm. members? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do we need to I saw, to that point, I saw a very interesting tool. I saw beta, so I, unfortunately I can't reveal what it was. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're, starting, they're going to be using 
emojis that the reps can then use in the custom record to record sentiment. Uh, <laughs> and I thought it was very clever, very that's, clever use. Of that's it. clever. I, I, I used to say that forecasting is kind of so messed up that we would almost be better off using emojis to say, you know, like you, you have the of emojis course. for the 10 <laughs> levels of pain, right? Oh, of so course it's like, it would be. Right. I mean, uh, the percentage probability method that's used today is completely terrible, pointless. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't, as I like to say, is, you know, <laughs> just because you get to a certain stage in the deal, if you assume, a, assume you're mapping out a deal um, against a yardstick, okay? And just because you got to, you know, a certain point in the deal, let's say submitting a proposal, it doesn't mean that your percentages of winning the business have gone up. <laughs> no, it so, doesn't. Right. So, as I said, you can't measure probability with a yardstick. <laughs> it just doesn't work. But that's right. the way. That's the way. All the anyway, without getting Good off point. Of that. Yeah. All right. It, and how about the the part about well, if you've got a half a million forecasted, then you just multiply it by the probabilities, and there's your forecast. <laughs> what? What? That makes no, no sense. No, no. <laughs> well, and yet that's that's what everybody does. So now we're going to talk about the sales stack maturity model. Uh, so what is it, Nancy? So we've we've identified the hierarchy of needs that that sales reps have for creating revenue and generating revenue, and at each step of that pyramid, moving up, there are specific technologies or tools that are available, or hopefully would become available, to help facilitate that that particular layer of the the hierarchy. So now you talk about the sales stack maturity model. So what? How's that relate to what we just talked about? All right, so the sales stack maturity model is where you can map, once you've identified what all of your challenges are based on the hierarchy, now you can map it to the maturity model of sales technology and where you fit in it. But before I move to that, mm-hmm. I just, I've got to say something else about the sure. hierarchy, which is there, you know, that's the hierarchy of revenue needs, but there are two what I call rocket boosters that are underneath that pyramid, if you will, that turn the pyramid into a rocket. And those rocket boosters are uh, two kinds of categories. One is managing, forecasting, and analysis. So how do you manage the business? And the other is developing, coaching, and onboarding. So how do you manage people? So those don't fit neatly into what a salesperson does, which is the revenue hierarchy, but they are definitely needed and will actually boost the entire hierarchy. So there's actually seven different layers, if you will, if you count the boosters. Mm -hmm. So what anyway, so then what I recommend people do, and we do have a tool or report to help you with this, but is to go through all the different types of challenges. And there are about 75 that we are mapping out to technology. So what are the different challenges under each of those layers? And then, you know, circle each of them that where you feel you would get the most benefit in terms of revenue performance by improving. And once you do that, then you can go to the hierarchy or sorry, the uh, sales stack maturity model. Okay, so the sales stack maturity model is five different levels, and it's basically mapped to the uh, jujitsu belt colors. So you you have a white belt maturity level, blue, purple, brown, and black. And whose maturity are we talking about? The customers and their sales process? Exactly. It's the customer's maturity level in terms of, uh, their sales stack or their use of sales technology. 
Okay, so, so they, you, their use of technology, not necessarily their process itself. Uh, well, that's true. It's not necessarily their process. Yep. It's, but that is a very important part. But that's not what we're mapping. We're mapping the technology. Okay. Uh, and sophistication. So you picture, you know, a, a, a table and you've got the black or the colors of the belts across the top, the column headings. And then the row headings match the hierarchy levels. So you start with someone to sell to, and then you can say, hey, this is where we identify we've got a lot of challenges in this area. We've really got to nail this prospecting down. And so what are we using to date as our technology to help our sales team? And so you can go across those levels and say, well, you know, a typical white belt is still just off using the internet search. And they're maybe using some lead clipping tools and they probably have a few web forms. But for the most part, you know, they're maybe using LinkedIn and they're just searching and using some leads that marketing gives them. That's a white belt level. So if that's where we're at, that looks like us, then what we might want to do is consider technology at the next level that's used by blue belts. So in other words, you're not going to go from a white belt to a black belt. So if we know what technology is typically used for each hierarchy level at each sales stack maturity stage, then we can start to see what's our natural progression. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, okay. Unfortunately, the audience can't answer. Um, so I, the, I guess the thing I'm trying to clarify is, in my mind, is – so you're going to sort of self-identify where you are based on the current tool that you use. Mm-hmm. And there's an assumption built in the model that these next level of tool, next level of tools, excuse me, if you move from you know one level to the next, are more capable. Is that the is mm-hmm. that the difference, or yeah. they're more targeted to your specific need? They are more targeted to that specific need, hierarchy need. Okay. So, yeah, so there would be different tools for each hierarchy level at different stages. So, so at some point, one tool could be sort of, depending on your need, could be, you know, at the, the lowest level is the white level, I think you said? Yep, white belt. It was the white belt, but for another application, it could be a black belt. Um, not really, because, so it's hard to do without a picture, but so... Um, it's it's not. Let me give you an example. Sure. Let's, let's let's stick with that. Someone to sell to. So if at a white belt, I, I I described what that looks like. At a blue belt level, people by at this point have adopted some sort of sales intelligence solution. Maybe it's a inside view or mm-hmm. a, an invention or something like that that gives reps additional information. Maybe it's a social selling tool like LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Although I think they've done away with that quietly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they seem to do that a lot. Um, and then at a purple belt level, now we see companies using things like predictive lead scoring because typically they have a marketing automation solution in place. So we're getting more and more advanced uh, at a brown belt level. Now maybe we're using a data cleanse and a pen solution or we're using some sort of AI lead follow-up cadence tool or appointment setting tool. 
And then at a black belt level, we're using account-based selling and marketing and predictive analytics. Now, these are all different technologies than you would use at a different hierarchy level. So if you are looking at the how can we get them to close, those aren't the same tools that you'll be using. Um, the, 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 you will likely be using a whole column's worth of tools. If you're at a purple belt level, you're using tools for someone to sell to, you're using tools for a way to engage, you're using different tools for differentiating your value, et cetera. So you've got a sales stack now, if you will. And so an interesting question that comes about quite a bit when, at least I hear from, from companies that are out there sort of working through this whole sales stack and wondering sort of where they start, right? Because there's companies that are uh, maybe more technology-based, more comfortable with technology. They embrace these more easily. But gosh, for the vast majority of companies out there, they don't have anything. You know, they've got email, uh, yep. don't have email tracking. Don't So, yep. I think so where do they start? Your, yeah, your hierarchy of revenue needs great tool for them to start looking at this and say, okay, where where do we start? And I, my suggestion would be to start at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you're so right. And that's exactly what this tool is designed for. And and you would start at the bottom. You would start at... Finding uh, somebody to sell to. The so Yeah. At the bottom, you know, at the bottom left corner, which would be a someone to sell to white belt. <laughs> that's yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, if I was saying someone yeah. at the bottom is the bottom layer of your hierarchy is yep. someone to sell to. And then you said that the southwestern corner of your... <laughs> of your uh, Sales stack maturity model mm -hmm. is yeah you look for tools that fit into that that category. So for companies that are a little bit less sophisticated with technology, a little less sophisticated in terms of fleshing out their needs and their experiences using the technology, mm -hmm. is really important for people who are listening to us to understand is that yeah you see a tool out there that's exciting that does everything, but you don't want to start using with that that tool if it's your first tool you want to get your feet wet, learn on something else and then mature into that. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important to start with the hierarchy of needs because you are going to be able to, any organization is going to be able to figure out what are their own unique needs. Um, you know, you're maybe, maybe you have a set number of prospects and you know who those prospects are. So then it becomes really important to you. You don't need all of those sales intelligence tools, what you need, or at least prospecting tools, you probably need a sales intelligence tool. What you need is to make sure that every one of those pro defined limited number of prospects you're able to engage with mm -hmm. because you can't afford to not succeed with because you have a limited number of them. So then you want to start there. And that's why it makes sense to review all the challenges that you're facing and and then prioritize those challenges and then say, okay, now what technology can help us best with that? Right. Which is what the yeah, which is what the sales stack maturity model does. Okay. So sort of recap for people is we've got our, our hierarchy of revenue needs or sales needs, mm -hmm. which is looks like Maslow's hierarchy except a couple more layers in it, but it's a pyramid. And yeah, is, is start there, and you're going to tell people where they can find this in just a second. Mm -hmm. Nancy's going to give you the ability to go get this, grab this, look at it, and analyze it and say, okay, where are the challenges we have? Or I think you said you have a tool as well that you're fleshing out what some of the common challenges are across all the layers. Mm -hmm. Identify what works for you and what fits with what your, process, your particular situation is at this point in time. And yeah, and then look at her 
sales tech maturity model and say, okay, really what's the best place for us to start? And really be careful as, uh, when you get into this as the technologies are fantastic that are coming out, but don't overinvest. Don't outstrip your capabilities to use it just because it, you know, somebody sells you on the idea that they can do everything you need. Exactly. You don't, you can't do everything. <laughs> That's the bottom uh, line. So. You can, and you'll end up with a whole bunch of frustrated salespeople that don't want to use the solution because it's not really helping them do what they need yeah. to do. Yeah. Because yeah. for reps, they really need one, two, three things that really work for them. You know, if you can start getting beyond that, the complexity. And I, again, was talking to another customer uh, late last week. You know, their sales reps, sales development reps have like six different apps they're using. And yeah, that's a, little, that's a that's lot. A little, that's, that's a lot. It's hard to, and so they're spending their time doing a lot of things or managing these apps that don't have to do with developing prospects. So that's a good scenario, to, I think, to, for people to walk, recommendation I have for people to walk through what the tools that Nancy's making available. So tell us where can they find more information about your hierarchy of revenue needs and your sales stack maturity model. They can go right to our homepage, and we have a, a nice big link right there that you can access the report itself. And it's basically, you know, a document that takes you through everything, tells you what types of challenges are occurring at each different level in the hierarchy, steps you through it. Step one, two, three. And by the end of it, I think you'll have a good idea of where to start and also what some of the example solution providers are for each of those types of technologies. Excellent. All right. And people are probably wondering why I'm not asking Nancy. The standard questions I ask all my guests at the end of the interviews, and that's because I've done that already. So if you go back to episode 12 of Accelerate, <laughs> where Nancy was originally on the show, one of my first, first guests, She'll have answered all those questions, and I urge you to go listen to that, because that was a great episode, too, about sales tools and some specific recommendations about what you should be using, and fits perfectly with this interview. So, Nancy, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about our our models, and you know, our goal really is to help everyone figure out what is going to be helpful for them to improve revenue. So, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Well, no, and I think it's a great thing you're doing, because... There's so many vendors coming into the sales technology space. Everybody needs help sort of sorting their way through it. And thus, this is a great place to start. So, again, thanks again for joining me. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine where you listen on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Nancy Narden who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.